I was like, World Series poker, you know, I want to go the dream, right? Like, you know, everybody got involved with poker when they saw Chris Moneymaker on ESPN. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the movie Rounders with Matt Damon, right? So, oh, wow. you know, yeah, I'm taking it back in time. So, you know, poker is something I always love, but, you know, I had a, you know, 16 year old, I have a 16 year old son. So, you know, and then multiple business over the past 20 years. And then now I have a two toddlers, one year old, you know, almost two and, um, and then a two year old, almost three. So, you know, my, if I get some free time, I want to get back to playing some poker and, um, I play online, but it's just not the same versus in person. I, I'm so, is that a hobby or were, or were you a professional poker player? So, um, it's a hobby, but I'm hoping one day okay. I can make a couple of runs at, the uh, world series poker, stuff like that. And the uh, main event, stuff like that. It just uh, it's very few sports in the world where you can sit down next to the best in the world and have the same starting stack, same starting points. So you know, and then it's math, right? I like things that have to do with math, mm -hmm. and also you're making a bet. It's kind of like all startup business, startup scale up business. You're constantly making bet and predictions, and then if you say if I miss on this bet, what's my position going to look like? If I win on the bet, how do I bet against the rest of the field? Um, so you're constantly measuring people and getting to know people, getting to know your opponents, and um, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's a great combination of statistics, reading the table, and a little bit of a psychology of understanding who is going to enter, what are they afraid of. Um, no, that I thought I had a great example about. Uh, there was a conversation about capacity earlier today mm -hmm. in the cyberspace and a certain syndicate that started to ask all kinds of questions about uh, the capacity and hey we can do it ourselves kind of thing it's like no first of yeah. all you cannot do it yourself because you don't have the talent the tens of millions of dollars that it's going to take you to build your own thing and just in when you see the math it's like yeah you better you know give that to the cyber uh, company um, it's also now I completely do. Yeah, go ahead. It's also something that, you know, to get you out of your comfort zone. So let's just say you have a big mm -hmm. monster stack, uh, starting stack and you are bluffing, you are re-raising, you are re-raising re again. Um, you know, you don't have the cards, but there's a math on your side. And then let's just say if you're drawing, if you're chasing flush, chasing, a uh, a straight, as long as the math is on your side with the stack ratio of the bets. Even though you're not mm -hmm. comfortable with it, but you still have to put it down, put it down, put it down. And um, it's kind of like following your business plan, right? So I use one company as an example, Progressive. Um, they were doing underwriting that a lot of people wasn't doing, like your young drivers, right? And um, your single auto drivers, right? Um, okay. A lot of companies, they wouldn't go after it. Right? Everyone was chasing homeowners and two autos. And um, Progressive believe there's a price for every single risk. So it's kind of like, hold them. You know, if I make this bet, you know, I got to follow the risk versus play just the chips, on just the cards, just the people. And, um, you know, it's a business plan, right? As long as your quants in the house that did the quantitative model, the actuaries are right. And then you just continue to follow business plan, bet, 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 even when it's uncomfortable, you continue to bet. So... It's kind of the same, same model, but just hold them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, listen, it's, it's a great, poker is a great analogy for so many different things, right? Because at the end of the day, it's probability. Uh, the pot will be the ROI of if you win and how much money you already put into the pot. So mm -hmm. what's the risk of losing? And well, we can define that as a sunk loss. But, and then understanding who else is playing and what they may have in their hand, because you have no idea. You just see how they played the round so far. But at this point, it's, well, let's leave that at ease and talk about guns, maybe. So sport, hunting, what, what, what's your uh, thing? Because we will need to jump into insurance soon. Enough. Yeah, well, you know, my other hobby is playing basketball. So also playing basketball, you know, I like to collect guns. I don't, I don't have the time to uh, go shooting range, unfortunately. But, you know, at some point I want to take defensive class, right? They have defensive pistol class, defensive carbine class, which is rifle, Ooh. defensive uh, shotgun class, and then they have medic class, and they have first aid class, survival class. You know, my wife and I, we talk about doing those classes together. You know, they hold them like around the country. You can go have a, like a couple getaway weekend, stay at a hotel, and then you spend like three days all door, right? It's just a lot of survival things. And I think if you look at some of the mass shooting events, um, they're mm -hmm. tragic. But tragic a lot of time are followed by a, a, a good ending. And those good endings are usually a good Samaritan or a good police officer where somebody stopped the threat, right? Um, maybe I stopped the threat one day. Maybe I'll help somebody else to escape it. Maybe I'll help someone survive life and death. Like that mass shooting happened in New York City. There was a veteran that was on the spot. He applied a couple of pressures and then, you know, techniques that he learned in Afghanistan when he served towards in Afghanistan. And there's probably a couple of people live because of that event. Mm -hmm. So, you yeah, know, most, uh, I think that, yeah, I think that first aid or the basic ABC, air, uh, blood and uh, uh, what's the other one? Circulation, I think mm -hmm. those are basic that everyone needs to know how to, how to apply. I, I think the first course that I took was in high school and it's good. You have no idea. Life is random. It can be a car accident. It can be a shooting. It can be whatever that may be, but applying pressure to a wound, uh, taking a person outside of the immediate danger, opening the air, uh, uh, airflow, mm -hmm. you know, the basic things that will kill you. It's a, but yeah. Okay. Um, and that was sort of a shout out to people who write a specialty in, <laughs> in a different type of a policy here. Great. So now let's cue introduction. Jeff, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for How having you me on. I'm Good. great. Great to be on here. Fun. So tell me, you've done a lot in your past. Mm -hmm. What are you focusing on today? So today I am focusing on Quohan. Um, Kuhan, what it is, is a lead exchange company. It's a lead generation mm -hmm. company. And uh, we play in the personal line space with home and auto. We play in the Medicare final expense and life insurance space. We play in commercial trucking space. And now we are just launching the commercial small business space. Um, what we are is we are exchange. So think about exchange like Costco's, exchange like Amazon's, exchange like Coinbase, right? Where we offer our products off everybody in the space. So if you are an insurance agent and today you want to offer 
small commercial products, sell commercial commercial products, you want to do personal line home and auto, you know, we will sell these to you and you can bid it in all the fashion that that's built and tailored around your business, right? So if you want to say, we want to take internet leads because we want to build all bond business. Where we want to take click to calls or live transfers because we want to build an inbound business. I don't mm-hmm. believe businesses are the same. I believe all businesses are different. Some are two people shops, some are 30, some are 100. You know, we have mom and pop yep. agency to well run teams to enterprise models to boutique call centers. Um, we sit down with the owners and we have a game plan for them. Um, I think a lot of agency owners, where they fail to realize that marketing is their biggest expense, it's really not. Yeah. Their biggest expense is the fixed operation costs of payroll and everything else that come on top of the payroll, like federal tax, 10%, rent, workers' comp, you know, all those fixed expenses. What their variable expense they never take account for is how many people, when they hand a job, that they don't keep them after 90 days, 120 days, 180 days, because those people, when they come on board, they fail to make money. And what Progressive and Geico has done better than everybody else is they spend $2 billion a year in marketing. So when they mm-hmm. go out and build a call center, they are getting their call center people on the phone for six hours, five hours, versus a lot of other call centers. I have seen call center perform at less than two hours, right? You're getting a lot more for your payroll. You're getting a lot more for your return on expenses. And I think a lot of other calls are now coming around. Um, other carrier calls and or boutique agency calls and or even digital call centers. So um, there's a Bible saying called 99 for one. And um, our job, our thing is actually focused on the company that have 100 people or less salespeople. Um, they are our target audience. And um, traditionally, you know, the independent world, there's about 40,000 independent agents, um, 14,000 farmer agents, 7,000 Aussie yep. agents, you know, 20,000 state farm agents. They are our target audience because they fit that 100, 100 people up below threshold. So, you know, our goal is power the little guys, but there's a lot of little guys, right? You know, they said David versus Goliath. Well, there's a whole lot of Davids. Um, and But not everybody's a good fit for our business model, but you know, our vision for the next five years is build Quahong to become a company that touches one out of every five mobile search in America. Whether, whether that mobile search for life insurance, for Medicare, for final expense, for commercial, small commercial business, or for, you know, home and auto. So I need to give a little bit of love. Well, you talked about Medicare, so I need to give a little bit of attention and shout out, shout out the we have a new conference coming up soon in June 8th. That will be Medicarian, which is all about Medicare, MedSAP, and all the things that go with that. So We need, we need to talk offline, and uh, I I'm, I'm probably need to come to that one. I just started coming around the conference. Course. I've been working from home for two years, and uh, now I'm starting to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah, so same people who brought you in Shulta Connect uh, took a step uh, left or a step right. And now it's uh, within the MedSAP world, uh, actually it's senior care. So everything that is connected to senior care, because hey, let's hopefully all of us are going to be seniors, so 65 and older. So it's not the pure insure tech PNC life, but 
health and from home mobility lifestyle everything that is is you know connected to being a senior so yeah so dignity so right big, how, big how do you now. it's and you know we, we everyone who did a, an mba program it's always like the three percent growth and it's it's always it's not just long, longevity mm-hmm. uh, i want to take it on the age tech uh, track but uh, it still needs to have a few a few years before it's pure age tech it's all about senior and the things around it mm-hmm. but I, i i stepped already three steps to the to the side so what's the difference for you when you're dealing with medicare and then you're dealing with you know with pnc mm-hmm. those are almost two different businesses right, completely different businesses. which one of the Yep, and one of them is also on you know working through the financial advisors versus the insurance agents. How do you mesh and how that with the quote hound? Yeah. Or is it a different entity? Great question. So we have different side of the house and um you know we have retail guys and retail account managers mm-hmm. and we have guys on the wholesale level like affiliate, right? We have guys on the healthcare medicare shop side that only focus on one language speak one language go to the same conferences belong in the same facebook groups and um we don't really mix them you know once in a while they send referral to each other but most of their customer when they focus on customers that sell life insurance like a first family life or even like a you know you know php right They all just stay in their own lane and then you know continue to speak the same language talk to the same people and grow in the same space so as kohan grow we're a small organization you know we are keeping that house separate right yeah Uh, sorry, I had like a small delay here which I will need to somehow edit out later. Um, uh, that's the only that's the only downfall of the podcast. It's, it's okay. People um, love realness, so people love authenticness. Oh yeah. Oh, until we say something which is completely, and then we actually need to edit out. And now you know, even in as we talk about it, and you have your own podcast, I'm just asking myself: Should I even edit this out? Mm. How is and you know? Let's talk about your podcast. What what do you and Justin talking about? So I don't have my own podcast right now. I just been oh sorry. I just been visiting people's podcasts and becoming guests. <laughs> now I thought about building my own podcast, and um, so my if I build my own podcast, if I build my own podcast, my podcast would be the life of insurance people and following what they do outside mm-hmm. of insurance. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting people in this industry, right? I mean, this industry is hundred thousand, two hundred thousand plus, and um. You know, a lot of time we don't talk so, about money. Like, yes. Actually, it's, I think it's about 2 million, 2 million work in insurance industry and 200,000 licensed agents. How many of them actually, you know, working as an insurance agent? Yeah. Maybe less. But yeah, so money is a great way to start. So my, yeah. my podcast would be five, five. So I have a Facebook group and that Facebook group is for insurance agents and also people in the insurance industry. And then the group is about cryptos, NFTs, DeFi, real estate, short-term rental, long-term rental and taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, money yeah. is like this thing we don't talk about in school. 
taxes when we talk about in school, access to money, cash flow, cash float, cash reserves. So, you know, I try to educate a lot of my friends and how to how to enter, how to exit, right? Whether it's smaller loan like SBA, 7A, um, or bigger loans like venture debt, right? Venture debt raising or equity mm-hmm. debt raising, right? Um, or, you know, crowdfunding, right? Which is like a new thing. Yeah. But a little bit complicated, um, you know. So, also, it's a group that people talk about their businesses, whether they have a franchise pest control, or they have you know a bunch of Airbnbs, VRBOs. You know, I'm a I'm more more leaning towards the VRBO side. You know, high end Airbnbs, award real estate syndications, stuff like that. You know, building a fund together and then just multi complex, multi families. You know, stuff like that. So if I build a podcast, you know, I would talk about stuff like that just because, <laughs> you know, our industry, you know, it's kind of boring, you know, it's, it's hard to find interesting things, but there's a lot of interesting things that people do off insurance. And I, and, um, you know, we have interesting people in our business that make money. And, you know, the question is, what do you do with that money? You don't, you don't leave it in the checking account. So what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you're actually talking, you're focusing on the people themselves that operate, earn the money, and later on, you know, while you're selling insurance and risk management, at the end of the day, what do you do with the, mm-hmm. with the money? Th- right? So, it's uh, the cobbler that works uh, barefoot. So think about MTV Crib. MTV mm-hmm. Crib where you meet celebrities and then they open a door to for you to see how they live, how they spend their money, how they buy cars, how they build their homes, but in an investor mindset, Right. It's the MTV mm-hmm. of the investor mindset, and then the celebrity that we're gonna go see are the people who done successful in our industry. Yeah. Now, my focus is mainly on conversation around the insurance declare, which I define it as relatively, uh, relatively lean layer within the industry. Different if it's the investors, if it's the startups. I try to bring in the beginning careers to ha- to take part of this conversation, mm-hmm. but it became such a pain to go through the you know to go through all the PR uh, approvals and all that stuff. So if they can do that, great. Otherwise, we'll you know just stick to founders and investors and. Other service providers who provide value to the insurtechs themselves. And then, of course, there are, because I'm very curious, that, okay, great, let's bring agents because we don't give enough technology to agents. And those are the people who are in the trenches trying to sell, trying to, you know, to figure out insurance. And last episode, there was a, we started to talk about reinsurance from mm-hmm. time to time where the um, Isaac from uh, now is with Ruth. He used to, he's coming from reinsurance background. Also, give us a little bit of uh, understanding how reinsurance operates with the big brokers, with the small brokers. This industry is so complex and so interesting. And the people who are part of it, uh, it's, it's funny. We're talking about that uh, the different founders, they were. Uh, musicians and pilots and uh, race uh, 
a, a race cars drivers, even a truck driver. You know, we have so many great people here that each one of them has its own story to tell. And then if you add that human, that personal element, that dimension, hey, even better. I love that. This is why I always start each episode. It's like, tell me about your hobby or what uh, keeps you happy during the weekends. You know, you interview founders and, um, you know, there's a guy named Chemeth who was one of the original glue that was very important to the scale of Facebook and later on to a couple other companies to the next scale. Um, and uh, yesterday he had a conversation that, you know, maybe you can put a link in the comment down, down the road when you edit this, but he talked about how venture capitalists is going to be evaluating companies in 2022, 2023, 2024. And um, mm -hmm. since, you know, everybody focused on deep tech and tech and tech, right? And no difference, right? Right now, in the last two years, the last three years, anybody building a short tech company, you know, they put together a pitch deck that talk about API, you know, digital pivot, digital transformation they were automatically going to get seed money. They were automatically getting Series A money, right? I think that's really going to change. No, but... Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought they can prove a theory, right? But I think, you know, going forward, yeah. a lot of that is really going to change where, you know, any company out there, if they cannot show embedded insurance, if they cannot mm -hmm. show an agency channel, that will really, really change for how they get the money. Um, if you look at like InsureTech 1.0 with uh, Metro Miles, um, Roots, Lemonade, where they focus really mm -hmm. heavily on showing the growth of their business through the digital channel. Um, but after five years, we're seeing that, yes, it's great for out of the gate. Yes, it's great to establish technology platforms. Um, your technology platform is way ahead of everybody else between Recall 3s, to your, you know, how you underwrite your boxes, you know, drive the consumer from one click to one click to one click to the next, from A to Z of how to buy insurance. Uh, but I think everybody's catching up, right? So your competitive edge, you give everybody like nationwide, progressive, all these legacy carriers and super regional carriers like Hanover, Erie, maybe not the super regional ones yet, but at least a big national super legacy carriers. They got time to catch up now and they caught up. So the one edge you have, which was technology, the one edge you have, which you had a lot of VC money, but all that VC money at some point is mm -hmm. going to run out. You have to deliver a great cost per acquisition. So the next phase is direct call center, but that's hard, right? Like to copy what Geico and Progressive did in USA doing with the call center is really hard. So yes, it's a cheaper cost per acquisition, but still very, very hard. And we see SelectQuote doing it. We see Zebra doing it. We see Hippo doing it, right? Um, and then the, the final phase, which is the holy grail for them to achieve, is the independent agency channel, which costs you zero acquisition costs. You know, somebody else writing premium and putting to you pocket, and you don't have to pay them. They spend money first, put the money in your pocket, and then mm -hmm. you pay them. 45 days later. It's a great concept, right? Beautiful concept. And I think um, for anybody who is going into the insure tech carrier model, they have to achieve all three. And 
2022 on, if your business plan doesn't start with number three first, it's going to become very questionable. So I look at a carrier That's... like openly and I was like, man, they got it. Like branch openly, they come out the gate hard, focused on the agency channel. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to say 2023 forward, you know, going to the insure tech channel, they're going to follow that footprint. Coldery is following that footprint right now. So let, let's let's take that thought because it's very interesting, especially the money. Mm -hmm. We see now more money that the funds, the VCs raised a ton sheet of money, right? And they are looking for places to, well, basically to invest and distribute that, uh, to do the, the, the capital distribution. Um, and at the same time going like, yeah, the first generation, we understand that the multipliers and the valuation were like freaking crazy. They were evaluated based on SaaS, but in reality, there is a big shocker. Hey, you need to invest based on a SaaS, sorry, based on an insurance company. So, you know, you cannot say 13X or 10X on a, on revenue for, for a car insurance mm -hmm. or a rent insurance like Lemonade, mm -hmm. right? Everyone just collapsed 80%, 50%, 80%. And money is not cheap anymore. Nope. There is inflation. Money was free yep. for the past two years. And if you rely on... Actually more. If you rely on Google, right? If, you, if your business model rely on Google, Amazon, Facebook, your cost per acquisition mm -hmm. keep on going up and up and up and up because they control it. You know, your business model is controlled by somebody else. It's constantly a variable cost of funnel. So, yep. So, how can you go out of the gate big, right? Branch, amazing, great guys, love what they do, love their, love their uh, philosophy. How can you go and build a career or even an MGA, mm -hmm. right? And have a full stack with the call center and the agencies. Eh? Ruth had like uh, that light bulb. It's like, yeah, we need to go with agencies and sell through them. Right. How do we do that? Um, well, I'm not here to answer that question because I think that question is waiting for your next guest. Maybe you should bring on the branch guys, but I offer a couple of my thoughts. And um, I would say 90 to 95% of the money so far coming in has been going into Roots, Lemonade, Metro Miles, right? And uh, of course, Branch, Openly, mm -hmm. let's go on. But keep in mind, VCs are investing other founders who is going after Travelers and Progressive, mm -hmm. right? It's really hard. Traveler and Progressive are the smartest guy in the room, whether on the agency distribution, underwriting, or even product, right? Where even calls them everything they do. I mean, they're really good at what they do. They make a lot of money. They make money on their float. They make money on their underwriting. You know, Progressive had the ninety-six percent rule, right? Which means every year they make money on four percent underwriting minimum. Um. So, I think yes, put your money toward the biggest possibility, but there's a sector that's missed, right? So I think that sector missed is um, everyone trying to disrupt travel and progressive. But look at here's look at this model, Hub International, mm -hmm. Adrian Gallagher, yep. Aon, Willis, 
Brown Brown, Keystone, Hill, Akershore, Ashore Partners, right? Between aggregator business model and their revenue income, and then their general agency, the broker business, these are people that have had a very stable business model. March revenue to billion dollars a year yes they have an impressive overseas operation they have broker channel they have probably their own products at some point right i'm sure everybody have their underwriting product now but at the end of the day their core business is broker and general agency and they haven't changed in 50 years and they consistently operate on a fixed income revenue and fixed profit mm-hmm. you know if you look at the short tech carrier side those are really hard if that's why I give people like you know Steve and Joe at Branch all kind of credit because to build a short tech growth and build on a variable income model is super hard, um, and that's why probably less than five percent of the money I see coming to short tech venture money is trying to disrupt the business model of Hub, disrupt business model like Brown Brown. But if you look at their market cap, if you look at their stock exchange tickers, look at their market cap. I mean, they are more valuable than I would say probably 80, 85% of the insurance carriers out there are market cap valuation. Because, and they have a predictable business model every single year, just get bigger, bigger, bigger revenues. And um, it's pretty interesting how there's so little money coming to insure tech, funding the destruction of those guys. And they have a fixed income mm-hmm. business that haven't changed for 50 years. And anything that haven't changed for 50 years is meant for disruption. And I think that they're actually, so um, Holmes and Murphy, BTV, they are taking the right steps, right? And they are bringing other big brokers into that mix. I think they are long, and for- you know, a couple of people over there. I'm not sure if they are participating in it or they are investing in it. They have like a $100 million fund, a short tech fund. They're building to uh, to play mm-hmm. in that space. But there's one more space that I haven't been looked at and it's overlooked. And um, hopefully one day I can take part in it. So last Friday, I watched the video. It was a random video. Actually, no, last Thursday night, I watched a random video while I was sitting at uh, Boca in Florida. Um Less than 2% of VC money go to minorities and females. So less than 1% female founders, less than 1% minorities, combined 2% total, gets capital from VCs. So if you look at like Twitter CEO, the guy's Indian, right? If you look at like a couple other uh, CEO, CTO, CFO position of these Silicon Valley companies, whether tech companies or fintech companies or insurtech, there's a lot of Asians and Indians in position that are really, really, really hard. Maybe one day they qualify as a founder. But what we have seen is either they taking the less risk approach model or they're not getting access to capital. So I think there at some point something gotta give. And you know, we can there, you know, we have a lot of VPs and uh a lot of uh c-suite people who are females at some point i think they will be fantastic founders and launch companies so i think that's a missing point as well i don't think the insurance mm-hmm. industry is the highest list of attraction right so let's just oh, say yeah. you are yeah, like... a 21 year old asian male 
you just graduated, mm-hmm. I don't know, MIT. Yeah, are, why would you go are to Are you insurance? attracted to insurance? Like, is the insurance industry doing a job? You know, like a lot of the insurance agency owner I know, um, they know somebody in their circle that done insurance, and that's why they got attracted to insurance, right? But I just don't think insurance is really doing a fantastic job of attracting talent, especially when they're competing with fintech, when they're competing with crypto now, blockchains, and uh, Web threes, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about the brightest minds. You know, can our industry attract the brightest mind? So, you know, so here's the thing, right? You finish a top school, engineering or not engineering. You'll never think about insurance. You'll go after the thing that is most attractive, sexy and pay that will pay your uh, loan, right? Your student loans. So you will want to go to work for, if it's a big company, Google, Amazon, etc., etc., or you're going to start a startup, mm-hmm. right? Something super cool or deep tech. And you know, it's not that bad because in insurance and from a statistical standpoint, you really prefer a startup that's been around, mm-hmm. that is more mature, mm-hmm. that has experience and it's fine. On the, on the other hand, there is a, I need to find the link for that. There was a YouTube uh, interview of three or four uh, uh, CEOs of Lloyd's ago. Mm-hmm. And the guy was talking about the problem that Lloyd's had in the 80s and 70s. And basically said, well, in a nutshell, it was like, not the most brilliant people came to work for Lloyd's. That's a... Basically what he said, it's like, you know, the less successful son that couldn't get into financial, the financial institutions and banks, somehow, you know, another friend of the family somehow got him to work in insurance and Lloyd's. Mm -hmm. But since then, they, they made a lot of changes because people used to come to a trunk and they had a lot of issues there. Um, Yeah. So. There is progress. There is always a change mm-hmm. that need to be uh, to happen, and yeah, insurance. You don't wake up one day unless you are like a second, third generation going like, "Oh my God, risk management yeah. insurance." That's what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, either we decide to disrupt our own industry, like innovate ourselves, or we are gonna be swallowed by the people who are already ahead of innovation, right? Like you see what Tesla's doing. Tesla grew their premium, I think, by 200 million from 2020 to 2021. I had to go back and look at the numbers. It was uh, it was published just in California alone. And, um, you know, we know that they have attract a lot of innovation to people, innovative people. So mm-hmm. either in the insurance industry, innovate on their own you know, by investing continuously into InsurTech funds. And, you know, I say, um, I see a lot they of, do. I, I, I think, I, I think we can see a lot yeah. more, if that makes sense. So I, you know, there's people like Nationwide Ventures, right? Liberty Mutual Ventures. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But if you look at their total investment for their entire portfolio, 
what they set aside on allocation for insurance VCs, money into the VCs, um, compared to the grand scheme of things, it could be a lot more. And I also think, you know, you have a lot of company, mutual companies, or even like regional companies, whether they're in specific risk like Markel, or they in a specific geographic area like Westfield and Central. I, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can afford to sit on the sideline because technology is changing so fast and your cost per acquisition changes every day. If you build on your agency channel, that agency channel is aging by the day. And then their growth scale oh. is, is going down, right? Because they're aging. Now, now, yeah, but that's a different mix, right? So even if we, so first of all, they change, right? So uh, most of those companies are not in their first fund already. Right. Even uh, nationwide ventures, which are doing great job, um, it's not the first fund. At the beginning, they they were just a CVC with one LP, the company, and they were there to do investment in strategic initiatives. Hey, here is money. Go be an MGA. Go develop some sort of a product that we are going to enjoy. And it was very hard for them to sell that originally because it's like, hey, are we going to sponsor something that... Our competitors are going to enjoy. How is that going to work? But they they managed to go beyond that uh, question mark and that safeguards and everything. And now you have, if it's a uh, Amfam Ventures, who have, in, if I remember correctly, I'm sorry if I'm maybe I'm misusing that in the example, uh, that have LPs from outside the company, so they're a little bit more opened up. Mm-hmm. Open up to other. Op- we have a Munich Re now. When you are dealing with the reinsurance, they it's like, hey, just bring the risk. Whatever you can do, can you provide value to my MGAs and carriers? Great. You're, you know, they, they started to build it more and more and more, and they are evolving. If it's the second or third fund, then you have, of course, the smaller ones that cannot have their own CVC. Yeah, and they will. You know, being LP at uh, uh, IA Capital, MTech, uh, Fintel V, and others, and you know, it's it's very interesting how they evolve themselves and where the focus is, and a little bit of FOMO always uh, send them here and there, um, but you know, <laughs> we I think that we we spent a, a lot of. Uh, of, we gave a lot of time to to the VCs in that topic, and I really, because we are running out of town of uh, time, let's go back and touch a little bit about again your business and where you are taking it. Okay, so we are like at the forty-five minutes in. Let me ask you the last question that I'm asking everyone who joins sure. the podcast. Can you give us a recommendation? It can be a life hack, um, a book, a movie that you've seen, or hey, anything that you wish to share. A recommendation. Hmm. Wow, that's a tough one. I feel like I didn't think about that one. Um, so what's funny is people talk about how health and lifestyle, mental health. Um, I have a running joke with my friends and families. And, um, you know, people talk about the keto diet, right? And um, mm-hmm. have you ever heard of the Asian diet? No, I did not. Okay. 
So if you look on TVs, you know, you see the Japanese people, the Korean people, the Chinese people, they look thin and they have a myth that they live past their hundred. They're very healthy. Right. And um, I joke around with people. They're like, what's the, what's the secret, Jeff? Is it the rice? I'm like, well, kind of. But do you know what's one single commonality of all Asian food? No. What, they what don't have it? cheese. No cheese. No cheese. No cheese. It's a single common it, denominator that relates to all Asian health diet. You are rattling my core now. I, I live on cheese. I live for cheese. Now, is it the cheese or the lack of dairy? Let's, let's be precise here, my friend. Two things, right? So remember, cheese, how it was built on the European culture was mm -hmm. goat milk. And yes. American culture and, modified it to cow, goat and sheep. cow milk, mm -hmm. right? So I've been to Europe. I've been to many parts of Europe, you know, Italy, Switzerland, Austria, Barcelona, Madrid. And uh, depends on where you go, right? The cheese tastes different. Cheese tastes a lot different. And um, mm -hmm. our culture, you know, if you're American, listen to this podcast, you know, we build our cheese a little bit differently. And also the most sugar have five levels, right? You know, sugar come from fruits like watermelon, and then there's extracted sugar, and then there's highly concentrated sugar syrup from sugar canes, and then there's synthetic sugar that's like Splenda or whatever, and then there's aspartame. Aspartame is the fifth level, the most addictive, 40x addiction versus the level one. So, you know, between level four and level five, it's the type of sugar that we put into our cow milk. Cow milk extracted fat become cheese, and then they dump heavy level, like, most cheese, like this much, contains more sugar than a soda can or a Coke can. So this is the common denominator of Asian diet. So this is why one advice moving forward. Okay. You know that... <laughs> now, I can talk about these things for hours, uh, nutrition and how it affects us and what's the real motivation behind it. It's not tradition. It's, it's money and accessibility. But... If that will be a completely different episode that usually we'll prefer to do in a conference with whiskey and, you know, and talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Fitness and whiskey goes well together. Yep. And with this super positive note, and just remember to drink good wine with your cheese. Jeff, thank you very much for joining me. It's, it Thanks was a pleasure, man. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, let me stop the recording.